If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast. Just before we begin, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has shared the word about my podcast. Your support means so much to me. I also want to thank everyone who's left a review. One last thing before we begin, I would love to invite you to my 2019 Mental Health Solutions Summit this year in Dallas, Texas, December 6 and 7. This conference is going to be amazing. In this conference, I will be teaching you how to overcome mental health issues like anxiety and depression and OCD. I'm also going to be talking about how to help teens and children with mental health issues, how to improve memory, how to identify and define your unique identity, how to build your brain, how to avoid burnout and manage stress, how to take care of your physical body, how to improve sleep, how to deal with chaotic thinking and more. This summit is for everyone, teachers, pastors, parents, CEOs, entrepreneurs, doctors, lawyers, life coaches, everyone. For more information and to register, visit drleafconference.com. We will also be offering CEUs and CMEs for this conference. And now back to today's podcast. How to deal with performance anxiety. Let's first start by discussing what performance anxiety is. This is something that athletes, speakers, CEOs, performing arts, pretty much everyone can experience to a certain extent when you're supposed to perform, when you've got to stand in front of people and you've got to perform in some way, whether it's presenting at a meeting, doing a presentation, playing a sports game, doing an exam. Basically, people are watching you and you have to, and you have to perform. It often comes from the stress to maintain what you've already achieved. So let's say that you've already achieved really high grades and set a really high standard and you're going into an exam and you just really want to be able to maintain those high grades. In terms of sports, maybe it's just that the standard that you've already set in your sport, you want to maintain that. And because sport's such an unpredictable thing and exams, everything in life's unpredictable, you want to maintain that standard. So there's that pressure to stay up at the top of your game. So we're trying to keep that standard. We're trying not to let people down. Maybe it's your fans. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's people that look up to you or family. So we put, and it can also happen when you put on the spot to do something unfamiliar in front of people that's outside your comfort zone. So for example, in my case, I speak in front of people all the time, hundreds to thousands, and I've done this for years and I can do that no problem. There's a normal amount of anxiety just before I go onto the stage, which is actually an excitement. I channel that into being an excitement. But if once I'm finished talking and if someone just calls me up or just asks me to now talk about something random that is not related to the scientific things that I'm teaching, I can freeze up. I'll have performance anxiety. I'll be experience a lot of, of a lot of anxiety because I've been put on the spot to do something that's actually out of my comfort zone, and I'm really awkward with that. Like if you suddenly just put a camera on me and you say, "Ask me a question," or say, "Pose," or smile, I will be very awkward. And my kids love to tease me, and they love to just suddenly put, say, "Mom, pose," and I freeze. 
The third thing is that we often link our identity to performance. This is a big, this is a big one. For example, athletes will often define their identity on their ability to perform on the field so that every time they go and play, their identity is in a state of question or uncertainty. And this can create tremendous uncertainty and insecurity, which leads to anxiety because let's say that you're having a bad day or that someone else is just playing exceptionally well or whatever happens, whatever variable happens, which we don't control those variables, then you are instead of seeing, seeing the situation for the fact that it's the variables that are changing the uncontrolled things that we can't control, we see it as something wrong with ourselves. Same thing with grades. If you don't get that grade that you expected or you don't get that level of feedback that you normally get, then you link it back to identity. What's wrong with me? And that can really cause tremendous, tremendous performance anxiety. The fourth thing is that you may have set goals and that are maybe unrealistic or set a standard by yourself. And it's kind of hard to live up to these because you maybe limit you put set the goal and you want it achieved in a certain time frame and it's not realistic and you're so focused on the goal that you can't enjoy the process. So when you don't achieve it in the time that you've set yourself, which was probably unrealistic goals and unrealistic time, you didn't enjoy the process and you didn't achieve what you wanted, you can be very hard on yourself and experience a lot of performance anxiety because there's you may feel like a fraud even that, gosh, I should be able to do this. Why can't I do this? Meanwhile, we've got to focus on the process and be able to adjust all all the time, have a vision and set the standard that you want to go for, but you, you've got to make sure that we are enjoying the process. We've got to be, catch ourselves if we feel like a fraud that can lead to tremendous performance anxiety. It can also happen in the field of science that I'm in. What can happen is you can look at fellow scientists that are doing research and read their papers and it just looks so amazing. And you can think, gosh, what am I doing? I feel like a fraud. And that, so that's another level of performance anxiety that I know a lot of scientists, a lot of people that publish in scientific journals, when they read other people's science, they can sometimes feel a lot of performance anxiety. So another thing that can cause performance anxiety is basing our full identity on extrinsic values versus intrinsic values like I'm developing my skills in controlling my body to become this type of athlete in whatever field, whether that's football or baseball or hockey or soccer or whatever it may be. Or So in other words, you're extrinsically driven instead of intrinsically driven. So do you love the sport or you've been driven by the passion and the love for the sport and the determination to master that? Or are you being driven by the fact that you're getting, uh, you, you're pretty, you, you just were naturally a good sports person. So you got picked for the baseball team, but actually it's not really your first love. So you, ha you know, you, you've been driven by the external. You're not really being driven by the internal and that can lead to tremendous performance anxiety. Then there could also be another point is outside pressure from maybe family, high expectations, maybe your dad or your mom was very good at a particular sport. So you are expected to maintain the kind of family image or you've come from a family of high achievers and high grades and maybe lots of degrees and you feel like you've got to fit in and get all that or friends that have high expectations or financial pressure that you've got that's driving you that can all lead to performance anxiety. And then the last point here is that getting stuck in the inability to see more than two options. So like winner or loser, two options. You've limited yourself to see that I'm either winning or I'm losing. Meanwhile, there is a third option and that third option is the learner option. So you win, you learn, 
you lose. So there's three options. What are you learning from the situation? So let's say you didn't do as well in that exam or on the field or with the financial situation or in that presentation at work or in the presentation. What did you learn from that? It's not necessarily a failure. Failure, you've learned what not to do. You've gained new knowledge. Are you able to take that information and turn it around to make it work for you and not against you? The next point I want to make is how to deal with it. So I've already started that process by my previous point, but let's go through this sequentially. First thing is we need to learn to base our identity off intrinsic values, internal values, understanding who you are, what it is that you think, feel and choose. What do you like? And I strongly recommend that you look at my unique qualitative assessment profile, which you'll find in my Perfect You book and my gift profile that you'll find in my book, Think, Learn, Succeed, which will really help you to explore and understand what it is that you can do that no one else can do help you to realize that you are your own unique category. You don't have to compare yourself to someone else because you can't compare yourself to someone else because there is no one like you. So when you get that mindset, that's a tremendous help in performance anxiety, recognizing that it's about you, not you comparing yourself to someone else. It's what you are and who you are and how you can grow and how you can achieve and how you can become a learner. The second very good way of dealing with performance anxiety is reconceptualizing the failures as learning and growth opportunities, which I briefly introduced to you a few moments ago. So reconceptualizing is one of the most powerful things that you can do. It is looking at things in another way. It's taking a concept and redesigning that concept. It's seeing it from a different way, reconceptualizing a failure as a learning and a growth opportunity. Thomas Edison tried a thousand times to before he got the light bulb right. And when he was asked, so what do you think, Thomas, about all your failures? He said, I don't see them as failures. I see them as a thousand things that I know that don't work. So he wasn't seeing it as a win-lose situation. He was seeing it as a learning option. So reconceptualize the lower grade or the unexpected, maybe the mess that you made in a performance or presentation that wasn't so great. Instead of seeing that as a failure, seeing that as an opportunity to learn because now you know what didn't work. So do a bit of a mental autopsy. Great word. Do an autopsy to analyze what you did, what you didn't do. Go back, look at it. Give yourself, you know, give yourself a pat on the back for what was done well. Some encouragement and be realistic about it and objectify about what wasn't so good. Don't be defensive. Learn from it. So how can, ask yourself, how can I turn this performance into an exciting learning opportunity? So that's reconceptualizing. Take everything that doesn't work and say, okay, didn't work. How can I turn this performance that I didn't think was good enough into an exciting learning opportunity. So essentially, you need to seek to be an infinite learner, which is, by the way, how your brain is structured. Your brain is structured and designed to constantly learn new ways. No memory in your brain ever stays the same. With every experience, it's constantly changing. Memory doesn't just get created and stay exactly the same forever. It keeps changing. Every time you bring it into conscious awareness, it changes. The design of the brain shows us that we are designed to constantly learn, add to and refine our experiences and change, etc. So in seeking to be an infinite learner and to turn failure in your performance as an opportunity to learn, you 
by doing that and practicing doing that, you are wiring that into your brain. So when you're out there on the field or out there in writing the exam or out there presenting to people or whatever it is that you do, then you are going to draw on that structure that you built physically into your brain that sees this as a learning opportunity and you've wiped out that stru- the other structure in your brain, the toxic one, that this was a negative thing. So you've turned it into a positive thing. You've developed a physical network in your brain and a non-physical network in your mind that has now given you the resilience to handle as you feel that those feelings of the performance anxiety starting to rise up in you, you can draw down on that existing network in your brain. And it's be- and the more you practice it, the more you automatize it. So it becomes a habit that you fall back on. And so over time, that's what will be your strength to help you change that performance anxiety into a learning opportunity. So it does take time. Don't expect a quick fix. Don't just think you can do it once and it's going to just happen. It takes 63 days to automatize a thought. Fourth thing is remind yourself of the love and the passion for what you are doing. If you love your sport, if, you, if you're an academic and you, no one really loves writing an exam, but think about the knowledge that you're gaining and the interest level. And even if you are in the midst of a degree that you are doing certain bits of information that don't interest you, because obviously not everything's going to grab your attention, always look at the bigger picture of the general, uh, general knowledge that, the general knowledge that you are gaining. The more knowledge that you gain, the better your brain becomes, the more intelligent you become, the more you're exercising your brain. Your brain is designed to be built. So everything you learn is is preventing dementias, is increasing your mental health. So, you know, reconceptualizing that can help bring more passion into what you are learning. And it's also really good at helping you find what you're passionate about. For example, I'm absolutely passionate about the mind and the brain and all the science behind this. And as even at, at my age, I never get tired of this. I, I can do this all day long. I have to stop myself researching and working and thinking about these things because I love it so much. It's become such a passion. It doesn't mean that there's certain parts of what I do that are, you know, quite routine and quite tedious. And I have to remind myself about why I'm doing it, you know, constantly flying and getting on planes or certain routine parts of my work. But I come back to my passion, which drives me intrinsically. So remind yourself of that when you're in those spaces where you think, oh, I hate doing this or this is awful. Remind yourself of why and your passion for what's really driving you. The thing here is allow for mistakes. We need to allow for mistakes. It really is part of our growth. It's not a guilt thing. It shouldn't be guilt or shame. When you make a mistake, it's growth. It's necessary. It is really a huge part of you learning. It's healthy to make mistakes. So don't get guilty for making mistakes or shame yourself or allow people to shame you. Don't allow people to shame you or make you feel guilty. If people are shaming you or making you feel guilty, ignore them. Cut them out. Block what they're saying. That's not correct. Point six, if you are always in a competitive environment, so you may be playing professional sport or you are in a situation where you are constantly having to be in front of people or where you're in a very high stress, high performance environment, then you're going to need to learn to build moments into your day, into the midst of that high performance day where you can completely relax and unwind and not feel guilty about this. And you can do this in two ways. You can do the see your weekend as a vacation or take a time at the end of your day where you just completely switch off and watch watch some really simple, fun TV show or something. And during the course of the day, you need to learn when things are just getting too much for you, disappear to the bathroom quickly, where you can just be on your own for a few moments or switch off. If you can't leave the room, learn to, you are switching off to the external and switching on to the internal. It's called a thinker moment and it helps you to rewire, reboost your brain and help to give your brain a rest and help you just to collect your thoughts again. So train yourself to go into those thinker moments. I talk about this in my book, Think, Learn, Succeed. 
Point number seven, remove yourself from other people's expectations. So important. You can't let other people's expectations drive you. It's great to know that people have expectations and you can take that with a pinch of salt. So yes, they expect that from you, but what do you expect from yourself? You need to live your life your way. Otherwise, you'll never be happy. Don't let your parents or your kids or your boss or your coach live through you. You need to find your goals. You need to be very honest about are you living up to someone else's expectation? That will lead to tremendous performance anxiety. Maybe, for example, a student struggling to live up to a parent's expectations, you know, you need to realize that they cannot live your life for you. You have to make your own mistakes, live your own life. Doesn't mean you don't have to listen to the advice, but you need to make sure that you need, you not, that you remove yourself from other people's expectations and you use them just as a bit of wisdom, but not to define you. You need to, to make a choice to take back control and define your identity. Also, there are always more options than we think there are. There's never just A or B. There's an infinite number of options and ways of doing things. So be open, be verbal, talk to your parents, talk to your coach, talk to your boss, talk to whoever, if you are, if you find people are trying to define you so that you can maybe process through and say, okay, that's one way, that's another way, but I'd actually like, and talk it through. And in talking it through with other people, that's a very good way of helping you to define your own expectations and not living by other people's definitions for you. Point number eight, when you're in a moment of feeling anxiety, stop, breathe, ask yourself why you're feeling this, analyze your thinking, write it down, take a mental note or talk to someone and then make a plan to change so that you don't create a negative pattern. Don't practice the negative, change the negative into a positive. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new and helpful. Let me know in the reviews how I can make this podcast more helpful for you. Till next week, thanks again. I'm Dr. Caroline Leith.